You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Pitam, a creator and entrepreneur. And I'm Danielle Alexandra, a stylist and content creator. And we are In, In Case, Case You, you Haven't Heard Podcast. Podcast. We're giving you the behind the scenes and an inside scoop of what really goes down so you know exactly what the fuck is going on. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of In Case You Haven't Heard. It's Danielle. And Christina, back at it again with another episode. For you new subscribers, thank you for tuning in. And if you aren't yet subscribed, please subscribe (laughs) (laughs) and rate us five stars, please. And thank you. We say this every week, but we love you guys and we just want to feel the love too. And this week we are really excited to have our guest on. I mean, every week we are, but We always talk about social media on the pod and we talk about TikTok, Instagram, and we naturally, naturally, field of interest, expertise, work. (laughs) And we're always interested in businesses that have influx of sales and have made it viral on a platform, specifically TikTok. We find it to be fascinating, especially because the platform has grown so much over the last year. So Mm -hmm. this week we wanted to get this very special lady business owner on the pod to talk about her success on TikTok and how it really her one viral video really kind of steamrolled her her business. Yeah, she absolutely killed it. She's a Toronto business owner, but her products ship worldwide and all of that will be linked below once you guys kind of get a taste for who she is and what sort of products she sells. But yeah, she went viral through TikTok, like Danielle mentioned, and it totally changed the trajectory of her business. So we think her story is really inspiring. There's so many benefits to social media. There's obviously some cons as well, but it really is like incredible how you can take your business forward with simply posting. So we really, really liked your story. And with that, we are going to get right into the interview with Jenna Labiak. Let's take it away. Let's get into all about your brand. And for you guys listening, we really wanted to interview Jenna because her brand basically took off amidst the pandemic with one of our favorite platforms, social media platforms. (laughs) And it is just such a unique story. And we are just like, I mean, guys, you can do anything with social media. So we just wanted to show you a real life experience of of someone who's who's done it. So before we get into that, why don't you introduce yourself and just tell everyone a little bit about yourself and how you started the Silk Labs? Okay, well, that was a really sweet intro, but I basically started the Silk Labs completely like a passion project. Like my mentality going into it was, oh, when I do a nine to five marketing job, like it's something I can do on Sundays. Like that was totally 
my mentality. I felt like I was a crafty person and I wanted to learn how to sew and do all that. And then I was doing it my fourth year of university. And then it started doing well, just like word of mouth and socials. But then I slowly just started using TikTok. And honestly, at that time, TikTok was pretty new and I hadn't really seen that many people like advertising on it. It was just like silly videos and stuff. So I just started posting about like my business. And then I think my second video was like, quote unquote, like the viral video that I think thousands of people came into my Instagram. And then I was just like, okay, well, this is my thing now, I think. (laughs) (laughs) How did you get into creating the Silk Labs to begin with? What did you study in school and did it, you mentioned marketing. So was that something that you studied in school and then you kind of applied to the social part of your business? Yeah, I, I went to school for communications and marketing and I interned at a marketing company and I think instantly without knowing it, like I just applied those same like methods that I would use on like our socials that we ran to like my business and we would run like 10, 20 different socials. So I just kind of saw like what I really didn't like that we were doing that I just had to do and then what I did like that felt more like organic and less pushy and like fun and I just like took what I liked and went with it kind of thing so it wasn't an accident but I definitely just automatically applied the skills I had from before that's awesome and then I guess since you decided to start as a passion project you kind of went into it without a super structured business plan in mind yes (laughs) yes and I'm not afraid to say that because I think so many people want to have this story of like oh, ever since I was five, I knew I was a businesswoman or, you know what I mean? And it's just like, no, like my margins were screwed up. I didn't have a business plan. I think I had the idea. And two weeks later, I started an Etsy and I was like, oh, it's so cute, you know? So it's like, I had a lot of pivoting and changing and like getting new suppliers and getting new packaging and the whole thing because it changed from like a passion project to like, okay, this is my full-time gig. Like, how am I going to make money for my business and pay myself and pay other people so that's my story so and then you said you started on Etsy then so was that your Mm -hmm. first platform that you sold on and when did you decide to make the switch to launch your own Shopify website you are on Shopify right yeah I'm on Shopify now but I did start on Etsy just because again like it was more about the craft I think and like sewing so I thought that was my fit at the time And it was like, I am glad I started on Etsy because I did gain like a following from that. And I think it was that personal do it yourself experience that like my audience liked at the time. And then I think it was when I started not sewing everything myself, I was like, okay, let's do the Shopify. Let's make it the e-commerce experience. So that's when it, I think beginning of pandemic, I think like week one lockdown, I was like, okay, I'm going in, (laughs) let's do it. So that's where that started. Things really started moving for you, it seems like, during this time or the last, I guess, eight months has it been or something mm. like since March. What was yeah. pre-TikTok, the brand, what was the competitive advantage? Like what set you apart from that get-go? Because obviously you had to have some sort of differentiator if you were using the tools, the marketing tools that you use. Like clearly people saw you connected with you and the brand and loved the product so what set you apart Uh, I think something that was really big for me on TikTok and on Instagram and on all of our platforms 
is I show almost everything. Like I show sitting there like fulfilling orders for hours. I show like sewing, like I try to show my team when they're comfortable. I show everything and I think that as small businesses we need to like work with what we have and a lot of small businesses they want to like imitate these big companies that don't show the BTS because they just have like these big fulfillment factories that are are just like insane so they don't show it but I think small businesses think it's more professional to not show every little in between but my audience loves that like they reply and they're like oh like I'll post something at like midnight and they'll be like go to bed girl like work in the morning and stuff like they like I don't know like they just like I feel like we're just like talking all the time and they feel like they're supporting me more if that makes sense yeah no that's amazing I think again transparency seems to be one of the key players in the success, especially of small businesses, but I think just of a lot of, or anyone really in the fashion space moving forward, right? Because transparency leads to ethical production practices, also leads to people wanting to be more sustainable, brands wanting to be more sustainable, because if they're showing what's actually happening, there's that accountability that they kind of have to be um, held up for. It also adds to the sort of magic of a small business, right? Like you want to connect with a small business Mm -hmm. and know who's behind it. And it kind of has its own personality because that's why you buy from them. Whereas if it's like a big company, you don't see that as much because you're separated from them. You don't see them as like your personal friend or someone that you can relate to. So I think that's part of being a small business owner. And like, that's a really good point on your end as a differentiator for any small business out there is like, don't be afraid of showing what actually happens because that's part of your growth. Yeah. And I just think that like, I'm all about use whatever you have. And that's a big thing that we have that people just, I don't know why they, I I think they think it's unprofessional or something. I don't know what it is, or they just want to seem like clean and perfect, but it's, it's a big thing that we have and people like it. So I think you just have to use whatever is your advantage. Yeah, no, that's a great piece of advice. Okay. So when you got this viral video happen, did you see a huge influx of sales right away? Or like what was the oh my God. sort of trickling into your website and sales and all of that from that? So the, the first one I did, it was when I was still sewing everything myself and I had an Etsy situation. And it was honestly at that time, like friends and family and I was in school And I like posted the video and I think like that night it fully got 1 million views and I don't even really understand it because it wasn't even like the most, it was just me sewing. Like, I don't know, like maybe it was something new for TikTok, but it was immediately 3000 followers on Instagram. My DMs were like, what happened to your Etsy? Where did it go? Where's your Etsy? And I was just sitting there sewing all night, like calling my mom. My mom's sewing in Windsor. And I was just trying to, I don't know, like keep up with it. And I think I was like that for almost two weeks, just like trying to like capitalize on it. Wow. Was that like an aha moment also or no? I, it almost was an imposter syndrome moment because I was like, what, why? Like what just happened? Like I don't under like I was just sewing on my thing and I didn't even show, like I showed my business card, I think, and that's it. So I was almost like, why? Like, was it a random thing in the algorithm? Like what happened? And then, of course, it was my first time getting, like, hate comments and hate messages, too, which, like, okay. You've made it. I don't it's know. okay. That's when you know you've made it. That's <laughs> yeah. what I say. Like, when you get hate comments. It's like, okay. But, yeah, it was like, a, okay, what's next? Where do, I, where do I go from here? Like, what's the next step? I got to act quick, it felt like. So, 
It's so great that your viral video also translated into sales because you hear about, you know, companies yes. that they have these viral videos or like they make a video and it mm-hmm. has a million views, but it doesn't necessarily always translate to an influx of sales. So that's yes. amazing that you not only were able to like sort of tap into this weird social platform that people were just testing out and not really knowing the strategy behind it and you were able to like capitalize on that and like really move your business forward when you tap on the sound on tiktok now there i see like thousands of brands like literally like copying my video like piece by piece same products people have copied like the business card and stuff like it's just the weirdest wow yeah Like everything about it is so weird. (laughs) Going back to the imposter syndrome um, comment that you made, I think we should kind of just dive into that a bit because I think a lot of business owners or people in general, once they've kind of been putting the work and doing something that Mm -hmm. they love, they don't really second guess it. But then as soon as they get like a spike of success or like a glimpse into like what could be they start to second guess themselves and think okay mm-hmm. like wait is this is this real like wait this is a joke or is this like a glitch like yeah what no I, so, I agree how did you overcome that right off the bat I know you mentioned you called your mom so maybe she advised <laughs> you a bit or did you kind of just step into your power and were like this is meant for me let's fucking do this like this is a sign like how did you kind of deal with it Yeah, I think it's really hard, especially because I think a lot of people think if they're put in this position, like, okay, I'm going to capitalize it. I'm going to make this moment. But I've seen a lot of people do it, especially on TikTok. And then they like can't keep up with demand and they just kind of like fall off because they're like, I don't know what to do with this. So I think I just every time there was momentum, I would just like roll with it and roll with it and roll with it type of thing. And I kept I almost like did like a few like rebrandings and like things that would just make me feel like my brand is the vision that I wanted it to be because like like I said it didn't it, I had to change a lot of things so I that was definitely a helpful thing for me to do and also my parents are like very like entrepreneurial so they were definitely like no push this do this like don't get another job who cares like you can get a job whenever and I think a lot of people's parents would be like oh this is like a fluke like who cares you know and of course I believe myself but having those people around you that are like no push this like do it like keep posting those videos is super helpful like it's hard to find that within yourself so yeah So your parents were super supportive, which is great. And then I believe your boyfriend is also relatively involved in your business. (laughs) Want to speak on that a bit? Because I know it always always helps when you have your partner in crime support system to kind of help you through those good times and bad, obviously. Yes. Well, of course, it was just me at first doing it. But then he would just like help me as a partner. Like I'd be like, oh, can you help me like go to the post office? Like little things like that. And then I started posting him a bit and I called him like the Silk BF. I was like, oh, the Silk BF is helping with like heavy lifting today. And people really, really liked it. Like they loved like the supportive boyfriend. They loved the whole like narrative of it. So I kind of kept posting him and then he organically was helping and I just kept going with it. And then we got to the point like mid lockdown where I was like, okay, like, do you actually want to come on board and do this with me? Because my business is growing partially because of your help I can't do it alone anymore so that's when like he came on like full-time too so we both do it full-time now which is really exciting and it's amazing like we love it and the audience loves it and it gives it again like that personal touch and feeling that people really like 
react well to. So going back to the platform itself, in your experience, how is TikTok maybe different from Instagram or other platforms that you use? Uh, That's a good question. I think that TikTok is the place where you can get the most amount of eyes possible. And you can get these eyes, but they're not necessarily going to be customers. So I always kind of say like the viewers are on TikTok, but the customers are on Instagram. So if you can get them from your TikTok to your Instagram, then like you're good. Like you have, I feel like you have a loyal repeat customer, but TikTok is more like those one-offs. So I think for me, it's important to post almost daily on TikTok and try to bring them in to Instagram, if that makes sense. Because I know a lot of people follow me that do not like engage or shop at all. And most of my Instagram people have at least shopped once. So I think that's like the difference between the two. That's an interesting, because I would assume, and I think not only an assumption, but I think in actuality, the viewership on TikTok, um, the age bracket is quite lower. So their buying power might not be as high as like someone that's following you on Instagram. So that's a really interesting like fact let's say what percentage would you say come from tiktok like what percentage of your business comes Um, from tiktok probably about 50 percent, i would say like fully yeah like it's a big chunk and i definitely have a lot of younger customers but it's not all younger like i would say like high school to like 25 kind of age range right now And I think that works to your, I mean, I think TikTok works because your product, the way that it's priced is accessible. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for the teenager, even for like the grade eight student, if we're grade nine, you know, like that gets an allowance or has a part-time job, like they can spend 10, $15 on a product that they love from like a cool brand that they found on TikTok um, without thinking twice so I think it's totally. really great because you can you can obviously access people who have more of the means and then they'll just they'll just buy more mm-hmm. and probably bulk your product because they're like oh this is my favorite silk scrunchie I want every color but then yes. you also have the demographic of yeah the 18 to 25 that or even 16 to 25 that more often than not would just like want to support something that they found while scrolling their favorite social media Mm -hmm. apps. (laughs) I'll notice someone gets one scrunchie and then like their next order is five. So it's exactly what you're saying where it's like, oh, this $12 item with like $2 shipping. Like, yeah, I can totally like make this work. And then they like fall in love with it and they're like, okay, like let me just like change my, like my, my hair accessories to all silk now. So that is kind of how it is going. Yeah. So when did you decide to change or I guess make the progression in your company from diversifying your product line. So now you offer a lot more than just silk scrunchies. So maybe just touch on what you have available currently. Okay. Well, definitely the silk scrunchies are still the top sellers, but we have the silk scrunchies and then now we have a bunch of different sizes. So we have like the silk elastic sets, which I wanted to do because some people like don't want to wear like a big scrunchie. So a lot of the silk elastic sets are 25 and up. And then we had the acetate base combs and then silk eye masks. And then for the holidays, we're going to do silk pillowcases, which I'm really excited for. So it is, yeah, we are changing it up. And like the silk pillowcases, we've never had a product like that, like high ticket. So we're like going to see how it goes so far. The response is really good. So yeah, no, Danielle and I are both excited. Yeah. I told her about Very that before. Excited. And she's like, I need <laughs> one. 
you have a price point that is very accessible to a lot of people. And Mm -hmm. if people want to buy into your brand, they can still buy in with a scrunchie. But it's so great that you're now diversifying like your company as opposed to just being a product. You're now building it out into different product lines. And it's great to see that it's basically all because of a social platform that it just happened organically. And now you're like, okay, how do we roll with it? How do we now Mm -hmm. build this as a business and like product lines? And how do we, how you said, roll with the punches and just like develop this organically into something that we can do both full time? Because a lot of people use the excuse of like, oh, I don't have a business plan. I'm not going to start now. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't have all of these things clear in my mind yet. But the fact that you just did it went out there, started an Etsy, it happened to take off. And now you're like, okay, now we actually have to sit down and think about how to build this is really inspirational. Thank you. And I think if I were to describe like one word of this whole experience, it would be pivoting because it was constantly like, okay, I need a different silk supplier. I need to figure out sewing. I can't sew anymore. I can't, like I need better packaging. So A lot of people, they won't start a business because they think it has to be absolutely perfect before they launch, like everything's set in stone. And obviously perfect is really good, but it's, you're never going to start. You'll never start if you have that mentality. It's just not going to work. So yeah, like try to make it as best as you can make it, but like accept the fact that you're going to pivot because you will. And everyone does. It's just part of the experience. Like you're not going to build it and then launch and be like, it's perfect. Ready to go. No. Yeah. It's all about constant progression right and I mean you guys have now turned you're not just a product-based company that you know sells things you you're developing into a lifestyle brand which I think is you know the goal for any any company or any brand that wants to be sustainable because you want to create this whole community and you want to create a I guess almost like not an environment, but just like a sort of way for people to feel when they engage with the products that you're selling. So you've done some collaborations and stuff, right? I think I've been following along. I mean, I know, but like, that's, I think a great way to build community, especially when, you know, you're based in Toronto and there's a lot of amazing brands also based out of Toronto. So how, how was the most recent collab? Um, and was that the first one that you did with, I think it was Sarisha Beauty with the hair oil. Yeah. I love a good collab. I, since day one, I always loved doing them and I now I have to unfortunately say no just because I don't have time for everyone but before like mid pandemic when everyone was going fully online I was doing every collab possible every like collab scrunchie collab product there was like ones I I didn't even like really post about and I loved doing it personally but also it was so good for building the brand because obviously if you have like a similar target demo and location you share each other's audiences and it's really like mutually beneficial for everybody but I did the one with Sarisha, which went really well. And it just goes back to how I'm trying to create like a whole like brand of different products. So we did like a smooth like silk hair oil. And since she is the expert on natural beauty, she designed it and we worked with samples and we worked on the packaging and it's on both of our websites. So that one's one of my favorite ones. And then we have a laptop sticker pack with Set Creative. And I just do also like the the scrunchies that you know about for a lot of different like brands and wholesalers also. Yeah. So I guess maybe we could touch on that a little bit as well. Like I know you're very busy with like upkeeping your own 
demand for your website, for your specific product line, but have you been doing a lot of wholesale opportunities for other retailers as well or other brands? Or are you kind of pretty set on keeping like a certain percentage dedicated to your growth and then whatever you have left dedicating to wholesale um, production? Um, I definitely focus in on my website and that's always like the priority. And it's it's probably like 80% of my time at this point, but I do try to do like wholesales in different cities. So I have like a Montreal one, a Windsor one where I'm from, few Toronto ones but it is harder right now like I'm definitely like focusing in on our website especially for the holidays but yeah yeah and for those of you who know about Lorena um Jenna does our wholesale so for our satin scrunchies (laughs) um and we did do that one collab and all of all of those gold silk scrunchies did sell out so um Mm -hmm. yeah fun collabs like that are definitely I think beneficial for both parties. And it's also, again, just fun to build community with with local founders. Yeah. Something like I never realized that would happen with this too is like, I have been in Toronto for like four or five years and like, I've never met this many people in my life, especially in the pandemic, which is so insane. Like there's people that I talk to almost daily that I've never met, which is really weird, but like I've had so many like business relationships, but also just become like personal relationships that I like really like. For listeners out there that have small businesses or want to open or create a small, they have an idea and they want to create a business, a company, what advice would you give to them if they wanted to kind of start their business on social, for example, TikTok or Instagram, let's say? That's a good question. I would definitely say, post daily don't be afraid of like showing too much or being too much don't be afraid to show your personality and show the bts even if it's not like pretty and organized and like good lighting just show everything and try to be like as like obviously like ethically like made as possible and sustainable because people really respond well to that and creating the community i think is a big thing that like it might sound harder than i'm describing it but the community is like a big part of like what we do. So I would like definitely just recommend starting by like posting every day. And do you have a pretty specific content calendar or posting guidelines that you do for each platform? I know you mentioned TikTok is every day, um, but then how about Instagram? And like, are there any other platforms that you utilize that you find have been a good way to leverage your, your online store? I don't, I don't do like a feed planning specifically, but I do know like how I want to like map things out. So like there is a little bit of organization, but again, going back to my experience at the marketing company, when we were working, we're doing like 10 or 20 like socials. I just like really didn't like planning a full feed and then like planning the captions. I want to keep it like relevant and relatable. And I don't know, it's just, it was a little too stiff for me, but I know it does work really well for other people, especially if you're working with like a lot of socials, but I don't plan that much I'm very like on the go with like my posting so yeah because things change right so like if yeah something pops up in like three days you want to announce it it's kind of annoying I honestly agree with that as well it's annoying to have to like go back to the content calendar change it take out the stays when I guess you're behind all your socials then right now so it makes it easier to manage right because you're like okay I'm controlling everything so I can move things around because it's Mm -hmm. easy for me but this might be an issue that you have to kind of 
deal with down the line if you have to yeah. um, give off that responsibility to someone else, right? So again, another beauty of having a small business is that you have control almost on, yeah. you have control on almost everything or over everything. You have your hands on It's a, it's on a pro and a con. Definitely a pro and a con is literally you're probably doing everything or close to everything. But end of the day, how I see it is, it's almost a market like my job, I think, is the marketing and the social. So even when I'm like expanding, I think I'm like no one's ever going to do my socials. Like I think that'll like be me forever. And then I'll just be like the owner slash like marketing and socials for my brand. So something that we like to tackle here on the pod are assumptions. Were there any assumptions that you had going into the business when you started the business? Anything that comes to mind? Something that comes to mind, not specifically about my business, but assumptions in general, it was just like every small business kind of looks like they like have everything put together and they're so organized and like an example, like a content calendar or a business plan, things like that. But when I have been talking to a lot of people, everyone is pivoting and changing with the times and all over the place working like 12 hour days if they have to. So I think that was an assumption. Like I thought, when I was starting, I had this imposter syndrome probably because I'm like, oh my God, I have no idea what I'm doing. But that that's kind of everybody. So that's a big one for sure. Would you say that your experience has kind of, you know, building the Silk Labs has kind of helped you define your why a little bit more? And yes. if so, what is your why? Definitely it has for sure. I think that I had an idea in university. I want to do something in marketing. But then now when I sit back and think about it, I'm like, it makes so much more sense that I would do marketing and content creating for my own brand. It just benefits me as a person so much more. I have so much more control. So that's definitely a big like why that was answered for me. And I don't know if this is going to be like my like forever thing, if I'm going to be honest, which that's another thing I think people won't admit. (laughs) It's just like, honestly, I don't know if this is my forever thing. If it is, I'd be so happy because I love what I do every day. But if I'm also like working on like brands every 10 years or I'm helping other brands build what I've built or other content creating one day or like my own like marketing company, then that's something I would be happy with too. So a little bit, but I still have questions I need to answer. Thank you so much for being on the pod. We are so happy to have you. Um, Why don't you plug yourself for our audience? Okay. Well, thank you for having me. My name is Jenna Labiak. You can find my personal Instagram at Jenna Labs. I talk a lot about other small businesses and a little bit more BTS. And then my business is called The Silk Labs, where we make silk accessories and other goods. And you can find my Instagram and my TikTok at The Silk Labs. And my website is thesilklabs.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jenna, for being on the pod. We will link all of Of that down below. And thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next Wednesday. Bye, guys. You can't. 
can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.